is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Hi there, and welcome to a special episode of The Eavesdrop. I am your host, Dr. Shalana Battle. Everyone needs a little R&R rest and relaxation that is and what better way to do that than with good friends laughter and a little wine on this episode of the eavesdrop we will be letting our hair down get ready to laugh and release some tension oh and you may want to get a glass of your favorite beverage sit back and relax as we wind down after five with three of the smartest, wittiest, and hilarious women I know. Be entertained as we discuss hot topics and are inspired by encouraging words of wisdom. Without further ado, here's the conversation. about to get this thing started right now. Ladies, how are you feeling? Good. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the Wind Down with the eavesdrop, everyone. We are at the end of March and we are closing out Women's History Month. It has been an awesome time here on the eavesdrop. We had some awesome guests on the show. We had Jennifer Wade, an awesome confidence coach. And then Delphine Jervis, who is the CEO of Breakthrough Care and Resource Center. She came in and she spit some knowledge about imposter syndrome. And Jennifer Wade actually did a interview about self-confidence and how to love on yourself a lot more. And then Kimberly Houston came in and shared her powerful testimony and gave us some lessons on entrepreneurship. And Kimberly is Caroline's best friend. Just had to throw that out there. <laughs> So March is just a month of observance, but we should always honor women that are out there doing great things all the time. So this month on the podcast has been incredible and empowering. I have listened to each episode more than once, and each time I get something new that I can apply to my life. So if you have not had the chance to listen to the episodes, they are still there for your listening pleasure. So happy listening. So what's going on in your world, ladies? What's not going on? <laughs> you know, when we finished, so like a couple of weeks after we finished the last episode, I was like, it's been really dry in the news. I don't know what we're going to talk about in March. And then Harry and Megan. And then T.I. and Tiny. And then Kirk cussing out his son. <laughs> I feel like everything happened at in one. the last week at once. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, honey. But how about we start with Meghan Markle? So one of the biggest stories in the media was the interview between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. 
And I think there was so many things to unpack in that interview. I don't even know where to start. First of all, before we even talk about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, can we just give the props to the queen of television, Oprah, for a job well done with the interview? It was tasteful, and she really did a great job facilitating Meghan and Harry's truth. So what did you ladies take away from the interview? Well, if I didn't take away anything else, Meghan Markle is queen of words. She came with eloquence. She came with receipts. She came, mm-hmm. like, with everything. And even Oprah had to, like, turn into a meme and be like, what? What did you say? And I was I was here for Megan. I was here for her receipts. And I'm really just disappointed that she had to go through all of that. I mean, I'm not surprised because I'm just I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, anytime that we see a fellow black woman go through any type of treatment like that, it does break my heart. And so like my heart goes out to her, but Megan just she annihilated that interview. It was, it was so well done. I was just heartbroken, but also just so proud of her for speaking her truth and just shedding light to what her experience was. So I was, I was here for that. And Harry was just, look, if Nuck, if you buck had a crown, it was Harry because (laughs) he he was over there like, nope, (laughs) this is what happened. This is what they said. This is what happened to my wife. Check me. So to piggyback a little bit on what Caroline said, just seeing how they were able to stand together. And although Harry grew up there, he knew that what was happening to his wife, her not getting the help that she needed with her suicidal thoughts, them kind of Mm -hmm. just dismissing it, um, them wondering how dark her baby is going to be, which she didn't release, who said that. And then them finally deciding to leave this family and live and having to seek refuge with yeah. uh, our great Tyler Perry. Kudos to him for taking mm-hmm. them in and providing them with the security that they need. Because can you imagine this royal family being, they were homeless. They were basically mm-hmm. homeless. They had no protection. They were cut off from their funds. Mm-hmm. And they were here in America seeking asylum. So, mm-hmm. They have went through a lot, but just seeing them come out on top of it has been very inspiring to me. Well, Nalita, I must say with this seeking asylum, you drag that thing, honey, because they have money. They came over here not like the other immigrants, okay, with nothing, looking forward to pursuing the American dream. But they came over here with something and somebody took them all the way in in luxury. So I know that everybody has their loving thoughts about Megan and Harry, but I do not share the same sentiment because she knew what she was getting into when she got engaged to Harry. They were not going to be accepting to you, Megan. When did you see a royal son date a Black woman? And it was all over the newspapers. Where? You wanted to be a first. And that kind of piggybacks on another conversation that we had before about whether or not you want to be the trailblazer. Megan wanted to be the trailblazer. Now, what I will say is not fair for her to like have to go through those, you know, suicidal thoughts or even just the the mental stress that it causes 
to be a part of, you know, a family and you're unwanted, you know, and overlooked. That is definitely a horrible situation. But I'm glad that light was shed on the former colonizers. Okay. And um, moving forward, they have figured out, you know, a better routine for their life. And so that they stood up to, you know, the queen. It needed to happen. It's time. 2021 did a lot of things. After people came through this pandemic, honey, they were like, uh-uh. <laughs> Certain things I'm not doing no more. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like COVID-19 really changed a lot of perspectives on the way we do this so-called thing life, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's funny, Alexis, that you should say that she knew what she was getting into because one of the things that she did say in the interview was that she didn't know. And Megan admitted that she didn't know what she was getting herself into when she married into the family. Um, She was basically going by everything that Harry was telling her about her family. And she told Oprah that she didn't feel the need to do any research. So I wanted to ask a question, you know, to you ladies about, you know, what do you think about that? Like, if you think about your personal lives and, you know, when you are getting ready to date or marry someone, you know, do you think that you need to research the family or should you just go by what you're being told by your fiance or your significant other about the family? Because, you know, she didn't, Oprah had asked her, you know, you didn't do any research. She said, no, I didn't have to go online. I didn't feel like I needed to Google the royal family. I didn't need to read any history books because she felt that the man that she loved would be honest and just you know, tell her everything about the family. So where do you all stand on that? Okay, Megan. Okay. First of all, (laughs) first of all, that is the most ignorant thing that I've ever heard because we all have our preferences with who we choose to date. And we know that the dating scene is crazy out here. Okay. So whenever you decide to date anybody who's culturally different from you, you always have a conversation with your mama, with your girlfriends, with the internet. And so Megan, no, I'm not. No, I feel like we need to do this on a cork and a cork and toast, honey, because I'm just not, I, 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 I have, I have more to say, but I will put a cork in myself. The reason that I'm uh, astonished at this crazy, the crazy thing that she's talking about, she did not (laughs) research them is it's one thing to just be a regular lay person dating someone to be a celebrity and dating someone from the royal family is a whole different thing. And like you said, Mm -hmm. culturally, she's American. He's British. You got to know that you're getting into something that's a little bit different. Yeah. This man is a prince. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she should have, I think she should have at least done research on the history and the background of the family. Because you know, when you marry someone, you do marry into the family. And so you want to know just the foundation of the family. You know, you want to know a lot of the back history. And then when you look back at Princess Diana and what happened to her and everything that she had to go through, and there are plenty of documentaries that are out there about what Diana had to go through. I mean, you have to do your research because at the end of the day, yes, you're getting married to somebody, but it is your life. 
you know, this is your life, you know, but she gave up her entire acting career. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be with Harry. So please stop. But, me. but at the same time, Harry gave up his, he stripped himself of his titles, you know, for her. So he, there's no doubt about it that he loves her. You know, I, I see true love, you know, between the two of them. I really do. And I, and I think they're going to make it, but going back to doing the research, I really think that it is very necessary to do the research and to interview the family, you know, just to kind of get their, their feelings and their views on certain things. But, you know, it shouldn't be the deciding factor whether or not you're going to marry the person or not. What, what shouldn't be a, a determining factor? Well, how the family feels about you. Like, I don't really think that that should be a determining, a determining factor, but at least you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I just think mm-hmm. that she should have known these people wanted to keep this bloodline pure. They've mm. been they've been marrying and choosing who's gonna marry. And if she even followed anything about the, the royal family, she would have seen how hard Kate, who was coming from a commoner, was treated when okay. she married into the royal family. So just seeing that, and she was the right hue, seeing that, thinking that you're gonna roll up in here and be black and not get treated uh, a certain way she had to surrender her license she surrendered her passport she had no way to get around or or do anything outside of what this family decided that she could have her whatever her rights were and apparently they didn't give her very many so yeah that was, that was just a lot mm-hmm. my heart definitely went out to her you know can you imagine feeling suicidal, like wanting to hurt yourself. Like there was a moment in the conversation where she told Oprah that Harry had to do something and she could have stayed at the palace or stayed home. And she asked Harry to go with him because she didn't want to stay alone because she was scared about what she was going to do to herself. It had gotten that bad. And she went to the proper authorities and asked for help and was denied help. Can you imagine that? It's really crazy. It's kind of like watching someone like you're a lifeguard and you're watching someone drown while they're begging you for help. Like, that's how I imagine that, you know, Mm -hmm. you have all the resources to help someone, but you would rather watch them drown. Like this family needs a young living set. (laughs) I'm serious. That's why it's so hard (laughs) to believe that she did no research and thought that that was going to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Marrying into this family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it might be early to put a cork in somebody, but a lot of people show their behinds after this interview. So whether it's who y'all thought was checking for baby Archie's skin tone or Piers Morgan or Sister Osborne, like people have been showing out after the interview. So if mm-hmm. y'all could put a cork in one person after the interview, who would it be? Sharon Osborne. <laughs> I don't answer. We don't have hesitation. No hesitation, Shalada. No hesitation. <laughs> For me, it's Pierce Moore. He just mm-hmm. thought that he was so entitled. This man walked off air because they said something against this royal family. And he just, he really had the gall to defend them. They're not racist. I watched that little um interview with them and he just 
was like, I'm not racist and all this different stuff. But you say one one insult, you had this past with Megan and after she ghosted you, now you 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 ready to cancel her all of a sudden. <laughs> mm-hmm. You ready to believe the bad about her without a doubt. Mm-hmm. How do you know that this stuff didn't happen? I can tell you one thing. The royal family is not racist. Mm-mm. Like he he canceled. He he courted. Yeah, he yeah, is exactly. too. But How Sharon Osbourne get it for talking to Cheryl Underwood the way she did, telling her that she couldn't cry. I don't know if you guys saw the clip or the video when they were on The View. She mm-hmm. felt like all of them were ganging up on her because they were really just asking questions like, why are you supporting Piers Morgan for his comments about Megan when they are very racist? And she got very upset and very irate with Cheryl Underwood. And Cheryl Underwood got very teary-eyed. And she looked at Cheryl Underwood and was like, don't you dare cry. Don't you dare cry. If anyone should be crying, it should be me. And that's not all the way true. Because first of all, one of the things that Cheryl Osborne, I mean, Cheryl Osborne girl, is the drinks. One of the things that Cheryl Underwood <laughs> said, <laughs> one of the things that Cheryl Underwood said was, she considered Sharon Osborne as a friend. So to sit there and listen to someone who you consider a friend be, and of another race, might I add, be very supportive of someone who is racist or considered racist and taken up for that person, that will hurt me too. And at the end of the day, your experience as far as racism is concerned is not mine. So who are you to tell me I can't cry or I can't feel a certain way? So that's where, you know, she can get a court all day long. That's why I was really upset about that conversation. Yeah, I did watch it and she she was wrong. Um, she was very incendiary from the beginning. It didn't even, like she, she saying like she knew what she was getting into when she tried to defend him. And she was going to stand by it no matter where the evidence came that he was racist. And then to tell someone else that she can't cry, like, where is your empathy? Um, like, are is he a better friend because he's white? Like, mm-hmm. I thought that we were friends. How far back do you guys go? Is it something else on the line than friends? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now the show is under investigation. And so they've been showing reruns. And so as it should. Mm-hmm. I think because Bernie, I think. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No, I was only just going to say that other women who have been on the show, too, uh, or women of color have, that have been on the show, too, have come out and accused her of being racist on the show. So I think that's why, you know, they're under investigation now. Caroline's still there? You said something was going on with her internet. So I think for me, I had to put a cork in Kevin Frazier. So I don't know if y'all heard about his fiasco, but he's one of the like co-hosts on Entertainment Tonight. Um, he's a black man, one of those like all skin folk, ain't your kin folk. But he was mm-hmm. kind of insinuating that like black women should like it's our job to educate Sister Osborne on her antics and you know her ignorance and so you know he had I think shared some things on Twitter but has since taken it down but it's like who are you to tell us that it's our job to educate Sharon Osborne on you know the racist things that she said 
you know, trying to defend Pierce Morgan versus you being the one to say, no, she was wrong. And I'm standing with my Black women to tell Sharon Osbourne that she needs to get her act together. So I'm putting the cork in him because uh, he was out of line telling us that it's our job to fix this woman over here. And not only did he do that, he tagged people, um, Amanda Seals and Cheryl Underwood. And as in this is pertaining to you, why would you tag somebody if you didn't want them to come on your page and see this and respond? And Amanda Seals went in on him. So if y'all have not mm-hmm. seen her respond yes. to Kevin, <laughs> this showed out and I enjoyed every moment of it. Every minute of it. Me too. Me too. She went in. She went in. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't know why these men always think we got to lay out their coats just to let these little <laughs> 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 <He would> walk <laughs> over. <laughs> She went in. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that she said that really stuck with me in the video, Amanda Seals, she was like racism was was created by them. So why do we need to tell them or show them how to fix it? You know, so. Yes. And another thing that she said was when someone does something wrong, why is it put onto Mm -hmm. the victims to educate them, the people that they have hurt? Why is it put on their shoulders to educate them why this is racist, why they need to uh, apologize, what's going on? So Sis had some real good tidbits. Yeah, she did. Go follow Amanda Amanda Seals. So what about this T.I. and Tiny situation? What's going on with that? I'm disappointed because I just don't understand why... The kinky has to be in bondage or in bondage of other people just looked at in a way where you have to take advantage of someone else. So, Mm. and I I think that my statement kind of puts it as like they're a guilty couple of the things that they're being accused of, but there has to be some truth to this. You know, it's just like when things came out about um, R. Kelly. And the Harry Weinstein and, you know, all this whole hashtag Me Too movement, right? There has to be some truth to it. If not, your name wouldn't come up. And, you know, the other side, you know, I think about the fact that Tiny is willing to do whatever she has to do to keep her family. And that's another situation because I don't know if it's an insecurity or if it's just a selfish act that she's committing you know before she was doing things for her body to keep her family you know um but now I just I don't know I think it's just taking it too far it's too far when there are so many you know websites and people who are willing to be as kinky as you want them to be for a nominal fee please stop taking these ordinary people and thinking that you can do whatever you want with them because they're ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Like at some point you really need to have a better gauge upon like what you're trying to do in your bedroom and how it's going to look if it gets out to the media, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, because either way, even if they aren't completely guilty, some of it is true. 
So you're going to have to do damage control with the stuff that's not true. And just to save yourself and your money and your family and your time, why not just do things the right way from the beginning? Mm-hmm. So that's my tidbit. Yeah. I'm all for a ride or die until it comes to you uh, committing acts, especially of a sexual nature against other women with your mm-hmm. husband, just because you, you want to be with him. Like this man has had so much other stuff going on before this incident. So many cheating scandals, all of this crap and nothing you have done has made him come home and say, baby, I'm done. I'm hanging up this cheating hat. And I'm going to settle down and we're just going to live out the rest of our lives. So you going on <laughs> along with this, allowing people maybe into your bedroom extra, didn't change a single thing. And now you facing charges, damage to your reputation. Like where you think the money or whatever is going to come from to fix all of this stuff. Like you said, Alexis, a lot of damage control, image reconstruction, mm-hmm. like even if it's not all true, uh, you're going to have some backlash definitely from the media. So girl, you, you have to consider the, the benefits and the risks of doing things. And if it is true, hmm. both of y'all are going to get taken away and who's going to be there to look after your children. Like if you don't do it for anyone else, do it for your kids. Like, right. This is crazy. I'm yeah. all for a good time, you know, a little handcuff or a little blindfold or something. I'm all for a good time. But when you start including external people, like just sign an NDA and keep your business mm-hmm. within your business and none of this should have happened. But like you said, Alexis, I think there is some truth to some of these stories because all these people, I don't think, are telling the same lie. But exactly. if you did what you should have done, and had an NDA in place, you go on about your frisky little business and do whatever you want to do in the bedroom. <laughs> and we wouldn't be in this situation. But now all of us are judging you for the way you done carried on and it done turned into a big media mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But my question is, because I'm not 100% clear on the story. I do know that there are women that are accusing them of sexual assault or or whatnot, but are these women young? Like, weren't they, I think they were young, right? Not all of them. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, it's just the mindset of people. And I think a lot of people are also starstruck as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's not even about money. Some people are gold diggers. They're like, okay, I'll do this knowing that they're going to get money. But some people are just willing to do it because a celebrity pointed me out, you know? That goes back to but, the R. Kelly thing too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about R. Kelly and this whole T.I. and Tiny mess, it brings me to the importance of bringing awareness of human and sex trafficking because this is kind of like how it all starts. And they really prey upon the young population and the quote unquote mentally weak population. Because I never forget um, when I was in undergrad, I was at UM and I think I was probably in my very early 20s. Um, I had just came from church and I was pumping gas 
and I was going inside to pay the gas. And I saw this guy, he was, you know, staring at me, but, you know, I just didn't think anything of it. I just went inside, paid my gas, came back to the pump to pump my gas. And he approached me and he was like, you know, you're very beautiful and gave me a card and was like, I will, you, you look like a model. I would love to have you as a model. So me being young or whatever, I'm like, oh, okay. He sees me as, you know, being a model. I might, this might be my break. I might can just leave school, you know? So I looked at the card and I looked at the website on the card. And when I went back to the website, it was a site full of naked women. I kid you not. And looking back at that now as an adult, if I would have been the, a weak-minded person, you know, not really stable or just looking for some type of way to get rich quick, you know, that could have reeled somebody in. You know, he came to me, he was very, you know, gave me compliments on top of compliments and gave me a business card and was like, you know, maybe feel like I can make, uh, you know, millions of dollars, you know, that could really reel somebody in. And so I think it's very important to really put the awareness out there about sex trafficking and for women to just really be safe, you know, when it comes down to that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I remember being at a strip club back in my early 20s and I got like pulled into this VIP room with a specific celebrity. And there was like this option to like leave with them and go to like this after party and hang out and do all these other things, which you know, it sounded great, like in my head as a 21 year old, you know, so the idea of, you know, being with a celebrity and getting status and being in this VIP section, like it sounded good and felt good in the moment. But when it really came down to saying like, what would I really be down to do with this person? Like, when everything is said and done, would I be willing to go all the way and do all of these, you know, promiscuous things? I wouldn't be. And so, you know, in the moment, like, it sounds good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. down or whatever. It's cool. But when it really came down to it, it's like, I couldn't go through with it. And I had to like, excuse myself from like that whole situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I had three or four more drinks, like who, who knows what, could have happened so Mm, I can see a lot of people in a situation like with T.I. and Tiny to say yeah I'm down like I'm good like let's do this thing because the idea of doing this with a celebrity is so enticing but then when it really comes down to it I might not be that down after all but like I'm already here so I might as well go through with it and just get it over with Mm. and now it turns into something that it really like I really didn't want it to exactly yeah. Wow. Whew, that was a lot. Why don't we toast and cork? Are y'all ready? <laughs> I'm ready. We got well, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to tell you guys about last night. I did a thing and it was so okay, fun. Yeah. I went to a dance class by the name of Fishnets and Silhouettes, hosted by a black women-owned business called Move with Finesse. I love the fact that a dress code was highly appreciated, but not mandatory. I wore black fishnets, jean shorts, and an off-the-shoulder oversized sweater. Okay. I look sexy. Okay. <laughs> I look fishnets. Girl, okay. you better. Girl. <laughs> I looked and felt so sexy. The class itself was full of sensual moves that incorporated your entire body. I struggled a little bit with the neck rolling, surprisingly. 
okay, and lifting off the floor. But I learned techniques that I plan to use in the future. Also, it encouraged me, you know, to exercise. So I just wanted to share that with you because during a pandemic, I started out with virtual exercising. And then, I don't know, maybe six, seven months ago, it all just came to a screeching halt, you know, (laughs) hoping that this will encourage me to continue to exercise and get fit and also to be a little bit more flexible. Did you dance while doing it? (laughs) right did you dance I did I did (laughs) I danced it was so fun it was a they because of women's history month they featured um rock the boat by Aaliyah so we did a choreographed routine and 90 percent of the routine was on the floor so it was very very fun very fun that sounds really nice yeah. Well, that brings me to one of this okay, last. So, so you little... are you sending us? What were you saying, Caroline? I was gonna tell Alexis, like, are you sending us group chat pictures of these fishnets and shorts <laughs> or not? Because <laughs> I'm here for it. I am here. Yes, I'm gonna send it to you guys. And I will. I will send it. Take a girls trip to New York so we can uh act. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Yes. And they do private events. They're so cool. They're so fun. But I will definitely encourage you guys to check out their Instagram. Move with finesse. You'll probably see me on there. Okay. I'm following them right now. And so one of the last things I think that was came up in the news that we talked about a little bit is this story where this lady was in the Ebony magazine saying she waited until marriage to have sex and her husband doesn't satisfy her. So did y'all read that story? I read it, honey. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I just, I have to, I don't know. I have mixed opinions about virginity. I know that I'm going to get some feedback with differing opinions based upon religious beliefs, but I do feel that still holding on to your virginity in this day and age is a very scary situation because one, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're getting. And I don't know, you could take be taken advantage of, but at the end of the day, you're also cheating yourself. It's all over the world that sex is the greatest exercise that you can do. <laughs> so you are cheating yourself by holding out. I don't know. Somebody help me out here. I just I mean, feel like I'm going to get bashed a little bit from this comment. They're like, Alexis, ah. Uh-uh. Well, <laughs> no, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you know. That's on that. In, in the words of Queen Aaliyah, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. And it okay. seemed like homegirl just, you know, she kept trying to make this work with her husband. They tried therapy. They tried to take a romantic vacation. She tried to introduce toys in the bedroom. They tried this position and that position. And like, she just was not satisfied. So like, I'm kind of here for her sticking it out and continuing to try to find what works for her. Uh, Cause after all, this is your husband, but when you decide mm-hmm. to wait until you're married, that's a risk that you take. Yes. I'm I not willing to take people it. that ain't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is a very important, just like money is in a relationship. 
because just like mm-hmm. money, this can be a deal breaker for some couples. Mm-hmm. And I think that if a couple, you know, if they decide to wait, that is very honorable. Wow. Um, but conversations, mm-hmm. co- conversations need to be had though, prior to saying <laughs> I do, because just because right. you guys are not having sex doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't talk about it. Like, I think questions need to be asked. Like, what are your views about sex therapy if we needed it? Or what are your views about sexual exploration? Like, what are you willing to do in the bedroom? What are you willing not to do? Like, I really think that you shouldn't be silent about the topic if you're not having sex. You know, you really need to be um, just very conversational about it. You have to at least talk about it. And yeah, I mean, I just think you, if you're not going to have sex, I think you should at least talk about it. So that way you kind of have an idea of what the person is willing to do, what they're willing not to do, you know, and so forth. You know, it's just like talking about anything else in in a relationship before you get married. You know, we talk about how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to save our money, who's going to have this account, who's going to have that account kids. We talk about family members. So I think sex should also be a part of those premarital conversations. And a big common mistake is that is, you know, couples who are saving themselves from marriage is that they, they don't talk about it. I mean, I could be wrong, you know, I could be wrong, but, um, you know, I just think there's not enough conversation about sex. If you're, if you're not having it, because you're trying to keep your mind pure, you don't want to, um, you don't, you don't want to kind of have a conversation lead into anything, you know, so mm-hmm. people are really silent. And then when you get into a problem where you're in the bedroom, it, it becomes a big issue, like in this case. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, but you know, what you want to like. add that. Oh, you can go ahead, Alexis. No, I was just going to add that um, it's it's kind of funny that she's taking the lead on, mm-hmm. you know, the experience or the journey. That's kind of strange to me because it seems like you have a, a pre-perversion, ma'am, because how would you know to do all these things or to do or to know that someone is not satisfying you? Mm-hmm. Well, she said that all her homegirls have talked about it being an mm-hmm. earth shattering, heaven moving event. And it seemed mm-hmm. like when I was reading, it said something like up to six months into it, she was being tortured. And so she bought this sex toy and she pleasured herself. And that was when she first had her first orgasm like six months into her marriage. So she's talking about, I love this man. I want to be with him. She's trying different things with him and trying to make everything work. And I think it would be one thing if she was just okay with the sex being mediocre and he met and filled every single box, but she isn't. She had sexual pleasure one time with this toy when she brought it in to him to uh to use during it he threw the thing out the window Mm-mm. he went to one sex therapy session and then he was <laughs> like i'm not gonna have my manhood humiliated and insulted it's not me it's you so i feel like he's being really selfish and the last thing that she left us with was i said <laughs> forever until death do us part but it was a long time to live without some good sex <laughs> I don't know how long home 
Yeah, but I don't see that's my problem with this whole scenario is in order for stuff like this to work, like I'm all for waiting. Like if I meet the right person and they decide to wait, then you know, I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, when we do say I do, um, we're gonna have to work together because sex is not just a one-man show, it's two people together. So if I communicate to you that this is what I like, this is what I want you to do, right. then I'm gonna need you to do it and vice versa, because that's how you um that's how you just make the experience pleasurable for both people. And so the problem that I have with this scenario is that it's all one-sided. He's not really trying to, you know, show her a good time. And she's doing everything to make sure that their sex life is awesome, but he's not. So that's where the problem is. And I don't know. I mean, good luck. I wonder about that because like when I was a virgin, like I had this image of what, you know, my first time would be like and all these things based on like books that I read and all this kind of stuff when I was a teenager. And so I can't imagine how much imagery I put in my head by the time I'm like 27, like this woman was of what I would imagine sex to be like, comparing it to pornos, comparing it to what my friends said Mm -hmm. and everything. So my husband, his sex game might not even be that bad, but the way that I've conditioned myself to believe that sex should be has probably like tainted me into thinking that it's just something spectacular in my head when actually it's just fine. It's just not like as much as I thought it would be, right? So I wonder if like, I wonder if their sex game is, if his sex game is like perfectly normal, but she's created like this fantasy in her head Mm -hmm. of what it should be. And she just needs a pull back down to reality because like homeboy just, he was not feeling it (laughs) at all. Like he's throwing (laughs) stuff out the window. He's low-key offended. (laughs) Like Buddy's feelings were Mm. hurt. And I feel like he put some blood, sweat, tears into making this special for her, but she just wasn't into it. So I wonder if just playing devil's advocate, if he's just fine and her expectations are just too high. You know, and that goes to a point that I wanted to make, Caroline, is that I've heard women say a lot, and I think Alexis just said it, (laughs) that, I mean, you didn't just say it, but you, you know, it kind of insinuated the fact that you shouldn't have to teach a man how to please you. Like he should already come to the bedroom knowing what to do. But I believe that this is a myth because especially if you guys have waited until after you are married to have sex. He hasn't been with you intimately yet. So he doesn't know what you like. He doesn't know how to please you. So you do have to probably teach them. You do have to tell them and be vocal about it. And I think that's a really common misconception is that, you know, you should already come with skills in, in the bedroom and should already know how to please me and should know how to do this and that and the other. But you have to communicate what you like because like Caroline just said, you know, somebody may be all the way at one end as at their sexual game. And another person might be very conservative, you know, and you just have to meet each other in the center. You know, listen, I like the chains and the whips and the whatever that come along with it, you know, so that way the person knows what you like. 
Mm-hmm. And for women, yes, I think you can go. I'm sorry, Delita. It's me and you tonight. <laughs> Am I It's these drinks, I'm telling you. <laughs> I just wanted to add that, you know, the experience should get better and better with your partner because you're both learning how to please one another. And at the same time, you're exploring new things to do to one another and to even heighten the experience so I think this is one of the reasons why um on that show I don't know if you remember us talking about it Shalana the um what was it it was something about getting married before you knew the person it was like married at first first sight or something married at first sight yeah and do you remember Mm -mm. that black couple who the guy, after they got married, he realized that she was a virgin and they did not work out. Yeah, These are the couple. reasons why men don't want to marry a virgin. Because mm-hmm. you have stuff going on in your head. You have things you're not willing to do, things you're not willing to try. You know, and those things, I remember those things that I wasn't willing to try either at, at a younger age. Saying, oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm saving that for marriage. But, mm-hmm. you know years into the activity i'm like oh i could do that now wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) so i mean and those are things that you know you really need to talk about you know candidly Mm -hmm. with your friends with your partner about those things right so I do believe in the same time, if you're both virgins, that is God's intentions, you know? So earlier tonight, Shalana mentioned about, you know, it's honorable. And I jokingly said, by who, you know, (laughs) by God, of course, it would be honorable. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if it's two versions, then maybe it's a, it's a safe situation, Mm -hmm. but to marry somebody who knows what they're doing and knows that they have been able to arouse a woman, I think it's unfair for her to have this, you know, idea. But to go back to something that you said, Alexis, when we were meeting up and talking about this before the show, um, you said something about this group that you follow on Facebook that mentioned it's good to go into your sexual relationship without expectations, you know, yes. with a clear head. Um, can you, can you talk about that? Cause I think you can really talk about that better. Cause you listen to them and you know. <laughs> yes. So, okay. I listened to a young, um, devoutly Christian um, couple and their name on YouTube and Instagram is called Redefining TV. And pretty much what they do is talk about the labels that are attached to young, single, Christian, young people, right? And one of the labels talks about what about those people who are not virgins and they are looking to get married and the their spouse comes and they're not satisfied. 
when their spouse comes. They said, okay, this is the loving couple, Jerry Flowers, okay, and his loving wife. Um, they mentioned the fact that you should not put any type of labels or expectations on that because this is a brand new person coming into your life and you should got you guys should be making your own experience your own journey together anything outside of your relationship is will be considered a perversion meaning for you to expect your husband to do the things or your wife excuse me to do the things that you've previously done that has taken you to ecstasy is unfair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You guys should be making, you know, the experience together. (laughs) So it should be a fresh start and it shouldn't be judgmental because that's going to bring in some issues as well and past spirits as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm telling you, soul ties are real. Yes. So you're telling me, I can't, I can't do them backflips I was doing back in 09. I can't bring them into 2021. Is that what you're telling me? No, you know, the, according to the Bible, it says that for a married couple, the bed is undefiled. So those backflips should be incorporated into your routine. Okay? So backflip on sis. Come on. Hey. Hey. I'll be right back. That that leads me to church folks not being candid about, you know, how they got a man, how they're keeping their man, you know, because a lot of times people have this, you know, stigma on being kinky or satisfying your mate when you're saved. Like you can't be saved and kinky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we all saved and experienced. Hello. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, I'll be right back. I'm going to go do a backflip on my head. Y'all carry on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, Callum, I haven't done a backstand. Uh, uh, I haven't done a backflip, but I have done a headstand. A headstand? A headstand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, honey, yes, these boy. hands are very supportive as well as these wrists, okay? Hello. Okay, support. Okay. Support. <laughs> Look, don't, don't let this girl in this oh Ebony gosh. article get to thinking that you can't. All right. <laughs> Man, she's going to go up here into her, her next experience with some more expectation. Right? Look, look. <laughs> now, look, when I, both of y'all are nurses, so look, when I come up in group chat tomorrow, talking about I broke my wrist, I'm going to blame Alexis. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that Help thing. Me. You can do it. Okay, trying to be little Gabrielle Douglas now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, let me get my gold medal real quick. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, before we go to the next topic, I did want to give some tips to some of our listeners that might have, you know, maybe going through this struggle because we laugh, but it is a, it is a, a common issue, you know, that women do have. So, you know, I just want any of our listeners that are going through this to know that first of all, there is hope. There are things that you can do. 
first of all, you want to seek a sexologist or a therapist because there are plenty of tips and ideas that they can give you that will help you to explore um, to explore different ways or actually pinpoint issues that might be causing you and your partner not to be open. Um, because sometimes all it takes is just someone saying, hey, this is the problem. You know, this is how you can fix it. You know, so definitely, you know, seek out therapy. And um, I think one of you all mentioned it today, you know, self-pleasure, you know, it's a very healthy thing. A lot of people think that it is very like, you know, it's bad to do, you know, to masturbate or it's gross to masturbate. But if you do that, it, it educates you on what you really like. And so you're able to communicate this to your partner. And so it's, it's definitely healthy. Um, you want to communicate those things to your partner. Um, be vocal during intercourse. You know, you don't have to be silent. Tell your partner, I like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do that. You know, and if your partner tells you the same thing, just follow instructions, you know. So you, those are just my tips. <laughs> Yes. And if I want to add to Shalana, so although I am not medically uh, certified, (laughs) I shall say that there's no harm in following um, some sex therapists who talk Mm -hmm. candidly about different things and, you know, other women who can share their experiences with being dissatisfied or just their experiences in general. So that way you can get an idea because sometimes you don't know what you like until you've Mm -hmm. had a few experiences and you're like, oh, okay, well, I like this. I like that. So it does take some time to explore yourself and figure out, you know, what it is that you like. And don't be with someone who's not willing to do what you like. Please you. Yep. Exactly. And do what you like. Exactly. Yeah, you got that right, honey. She said that quickly. On Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Sure are. I'll start listing about five that I follow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so clearly we need a uh, wind down after dark episode because um <laughs> right y'all we have a lot to say <laughs> clearly <laughs> um so we'll 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 table that for another episode mm-hmm. um so i want to move on to toasting and corking um listeners if you're not familiar with this segment just listen to a couple past episodes and catch up we've been doing this for a while no but seriously this uh portion <laughs> of my episode <laughs> It's called Make a Toast or Put a Cork in It. And it's where we just chat about things that happen in the news. And we decide as a group if we're going to celebrate and make a toast or if we're going to put a cork in it because it's a no for us. But before we start this segment, I always love to ask my sisters, what are y'all drinking this evening? Well, you won't be surprised I'm drinking the same thing I did last month. Mm-mm. I'm gonna need you to change it up, Alexis. <laughs> Rose. We are back. Um, I like it. It's really soft and sweet. It's crisp. I like it. Okay. Try something dark next time. <laughs> oh, now you're trying to give me a okay. Okay. Well, I am here with some Stella Rosa black. And I had some Stella Rosa 
peach. So your girl's trying some new things. Okay. What you got, Shalana? Okay. So I have Black Girl Magic yes. by the McBride Sisters. It's the, their red blend. They also do spritzers. So wine spritzers. So I actually bought their spritzers and it's pretty good. But um, their red blend is really good. I'm on like my third glass. I'm not drinking anymore after this because <laughs> if I drink another glass, I'm not going to be able to do the rest of the show. But Black Girl Magic Red Blend you better do by the McBride Sisters. <laughs> I love, love, love the McBride Sisters and their collection of wine, mm. but I need all of our listeners in Atlanta to stop buying all the wine out the store so I can get me another <laughs> bottle because it's always sold out up here. So I need y'all to fall back just a little bit so I can give me some too. Um so I went uh, day drinking with one of my cousins and her sore earlier today. Um, so I, I'm not drinking anything else because I've had enough. And if I drink anything else, I'm like, Shalana, I won't finish this show. So it was tequila from about three o'clock to about 730. And now I'm drinking water because, <laughs> yes, here we are. Can somebody say electrolytes? <laughs> Electrolyte. Go get some Gatorade, girl. <laughs> For real. Electrolyte. <laughs> so I know we want to catch up on time a little bit, and I don't want to spend too much energy on this one, but Stacy Dash is trying to get her invitation back to the cookout. Are we letting her in or not? Oh, no, because we don't That'll like be a, a potato salad. No. Nope. Hell no. <laughs> That's one no, one hell no. Malita, where you at? Hell no. And another no. It's a hell no for me too. All right, moving on to story two. Look, that's that's all the energy I had for Stacey Dash. Like that's all I had. We tried. It's a no. Sorry, sis. Stay over there with your folk. Did you guys yeah. did you guys remember the message I wrote in the group chat about Stacy Dash? The little video mm-hmm. and the guy was um saying, get your he said, dash your ass out of the cookout. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Carla, why don't you tell the story for our listeners? So they at least know why we're putting a cork in her. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh-uh. He said, Alexis, he said she couldn't even come to the potluck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Her and oh what's the other one's name? Omarosa. Omarosa, but there's another one. Sage Steel. Can't come to the cookout. Uh, Candace Owens. Candace Owens. Yes. <laughs> I can't stand her. Can't either one. Anyway, so recently, uh, y'all know Stacey Dash from like uh, Clueless. That's all I guess I she knew still about is. That's all she is. But <laughs> <Clueless>. she recently, 
<laughs> apologized for um, her old antics of, you know, just not being very supportive of the Black community. Um, you know, she was a Trump supporter for a while. Um, and she was, you know, a Fox News correspondent. Recently, she issued an official apology for her past offensive comments, um, asking that we re-invite her to the cookout, saying that she was an angry Black woman back in 2016 and 2017 when she was saying all these offensive things and uh, hurtful comments to the Black community. She said she made a lot of mistakes because of that anger, and she's very sorry for it. So she wants to come back to the cookout and do the electric slide with us. Still a no for me. Because she's going to be off beat. Girl, she is she even black? She gonna use the one standard trope of being an angry black woman. She watched the Tyler Perry movie and she probably didn't even watch the play that was associated with it. She don't know anything about us. And now the same community that you mocked and you ridiculed, you, you want to be let back up into mm-hmm. it? Girl, nah. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter was not was not having it. She's just, they're just like, no, stay in the sunken place. You are not, (laughs) you are not welcome to our cookout. Stay on over there. So for Mm -hmm. some of the people who might be confused about this whole situation, let me just inform you a little bit. Stacey Dash has done a lot, um, a lot of negativity to the African-American community. First of all, she called for the elimination of Black History Month. Girl, yes. Black TV shows such as BET and the NAACP Image Awards. Mind you, these are things that have been put in place to honor people who look like her and who were supporting her since her dry um, debut of Clueless. So... You know, I am putting a cork in Stacey Dash in her antics because as much as Black Entertainment Television, BET, and TV One has done for her in her dried up career, she had the nerve to use her platform on Fox News to turn her back on the same people who helped her get to her half, get halfway to the top. She never made it to the top to me. She made it halfway. <laughs> then the excuse she had for making the insensitive comments while she was on Fox News was that she was angry. Now, right. mind you, y'all, this is a stereotype that they have about African-American women already, that we're yes. angry and that, you know, we have attitudes and all kind of stuff. Like, that's that was your excuse? That was your That's why I'm saying sis don't even yeah. know us. Yeah, like I can't with her as if. Girl, I drew the line when she when she said that rape victims should get a hundred percent of the blame. They they are bad girls mm-hmm. who like to be naughty. Mm-hmm. Like to put anything uh, on a rape victim, someone who has dealt with some trauma that you apparently don't even know any the first thing about. Um, it's just, girl, I can't even put a cork in them because my cork got to go back in my wine. 
Yeah, I know it. I'm saving my court for somebody worthy. (laughs) Like Stacy has been so trash for so long. She like she called out Oprah and said Oprah was foul because she compared um, Trayvon Martin's death to the murder of Emmett Till. And Stacey Mm. Dash, you know, called Oprah out and called her trash for that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like you were saying, Shalana, she was saying that we need to get rid of, you know, channels like BT. and like uh, TV One and channels like that, because you're only awarded if you're Black, as if it's not okay for us to have a safe space that's only for us. And so I feel like in order for you to even get a consideration for the cookout, Mm -hmm. I need donations to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. I need donations to causes that support rape survivors. I need you to just mm-hmm. stay off the media for like a year. Like yeah. you got some work to do. She we does. don't just hand out invitations. Like you got to put some work in before we even consider bringing you back in. So Stacy, if you listening, mm-hmm. sis, you got some work to do. Yeah. And <laughs> her apology needs to be Tired. better because I'm not taking, I was angry. We're all angry at you, sis. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's to have, I can't say what I want to say, but it's a bad apology. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, um, and then on top of that, not to mention all of the stuff that she's done to the African-American community, but she defended Donald Trump's statements of very fine people. Y'all remember that? Yes. But first of At all, the Charlottesville mm-hmm. rally when people died and, you know, and our president, quote unquote, at the time was like, there were very fine people on both sides. She supported she that supported statement. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She so did. she, so like you said, Caroline, she really has a lot of work to do before we even consider her to bring something to the cookout. And I'm talking paper plates and napkins. Mm-hmm. Don't even think mm-hmm. about bringing a dish. We're not ah! there yet, sis. Mm-mm. 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 I didn't even <laughs> want to spend this much time talking about how we moving on. Corking her. <laughs> right. Right. Let's let's talk about Netflix. So they they recently released a movie called I Care A Lot. Um, This movie was a top 10 Netflix original movie. But before we dive in, I do have to disclose that there will be spoiler alerts in this discussion. So if you haven't watched I Care For You, don't and just follow us along in this discussion. Um, So the movie starts with this ode to white privilege in a way that character Marla uses the court system to justify her Joanne the Scammer antics. (laughs) This movie was categorized as a quote-unquote comedy crime thriller, but um, I'm gonna have to put a cork in this whole movie Mm -hmm. because it took me three (laughs) attempts to try to finish it. So I'm gonna let the three of y'all run with this one, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. And I'm hoping that you were more receptive to the plot than I was. Because it was a no for me. Girl. So this movie was truly an eye-opener and a total row of your emotions. And I mean every emotion. Everyone. The main character was relentless about taking the money as well as assets from the elderly. Which made me very upset throughout most of the movie. However... What I will say is that I enjoyed her death at the end of the movie. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Let and, the church say amen. I mean, that was just like the, it was like eating an ice cream sundae. But, you know, I must say that she was relentless when, you know, someone tried to victimize her. You know, she just kept being the champion. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, does stuff like this really happen? Of course yes. it does. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a time, I don't know if you guys remember, but maybe about five years ago or six years ago when my son was first born, I remember, you know, in the news and it went worldwide how there were scammers targeting the elderly people mm-hmm. coming into their homes refinancing their homes like all types of crazy stuff and you like well how right yes. and this movie gave some light and truth to how these types of things happen to people and how Again, hitting on that topic from a few episodes ago about being passionate about the job that you have, okay? Because she was very passionate, especially when it comes to, you know, this highlight of Women's History Month. She was very passionate about making money, about no longer struggling, about finding her own happiness Mm -hmm. and being her own boss. And that's what led her to, you know, taking clear advantage of people. I won't tell the whole movie, y'all, but just know that is definitely something to, you know, look at. But hopefully I summed Mm -hmm. it up. You did. You did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm definitely putting the cork in this this movie here because number one, like Caroline, it took me multiple attempts to really watch it all the way through. because my attention span is really short and you have to catch me like right in the beginning to keep me. So it was just very slow in the beginning. Um, Like I wasn't really too thrilled with the plot. Um, First of all, I couldn't stand the man camp character. She was definitely, in my opinion, the seed of Chucky. And her girlfriend was the type of chick you would see on the episode of TV One's for my man. Yeah, she was ride or die. I would do anything. And it was just all just too much. But like Alexis said, you know, something that I did take away from this movie was that it kind of shows you what goes on in these skilled nursing facilities all the time. Like there was one scene where I guess the elderly uh, woman, um, I think her name was Jennifer in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the one that basically she met her match when she tried to take advantage of her because she wasn't really who she said she was. And so, you know, she was trying to ask her, you know, who are you? Why do you have all these people coming for you? Why is this lawyer coming for you? And she was just begging her to tell her, you know, who she was, but she was scared for her life because she was threatened. And Jennifer would not tell her. And so because she wouldn't tell her, she decided to withhold her medications and withhold her food and all kinds of stuff and just treat her badly. But sometimes this happens in skilled nursing facilities and it just kind of brought to light that elderly abuse can happen in these types of facilities, especially to 
um, the residents that live there who are alone and don't have family members checking on them. So I admire the movie for bringing that out, but I just didn't like the plot. It just didn't really make sense to me. Um, I actually hated the son, Roman. Girl, yeah. <laughs> I didn't like him mm-hmm. because at the end, yeah, like I like the, 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 the fact that he was trying to fight for his mother in the beginning. Um, he was all for trying to get her out of that facility. But at the end, because he couldn't really kill her or um, I guess, like he really couldn't kill her. He decided to work with her. And to me, that's like the ultimate betrayal Mm -hmm. of your parent. So, you know, I don't know. That was just the bottom line for me with this movie. Girl, I just have to say, I have never rooted so hard for a character's demise (laughs) as I had in this movie. Girl, the last 30 (laughs) seconds of this movie were so satisfying to me. And I am not a sadist. I promise that, you know, I, I I felt some real empathy for things that happened through this movie, but not for Marla. Marla didn't deserve no empathy. I don't know how homegirl mm-hmm. made it through all of the different attempts on her life. Girl. Um, girl, she just powered through it. Like her little mm-hmm. lightweight body was drugged and ran through with some carbon monoxide and she just kept it one thing after the other and that pissed me off but the ultimate like you said Shalana the ultimate betrayal to me was Roman not sticking Mm. up really for his mom like he went into business with her and the only thing I wish that the movie would have done for me is let me know that at least the gun that was used to kill her Mm-hmm. given to her him to the son by uh peter dinklage because then yeah. at least i would feel like he ain't trade up on his mama uh just because this woman had him by the balls and if i just knew that he had an ulterior motive at least in his back pocket to get her i would feel satisfied with the ending but i am going to put a cork in this movie because it took us on an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And you, just when you thought, I'm on top of the world, I got everything I could ever want. It was the, the ultimate uh, number one saying, Karma is a beach mm-hmm. happened because she lost it all in the blink of an eye. And you I know what saying, I must say? I must say to Melita um, that it definitely put the color scheme on a pedestal because we've all worked at places where the person was not the smartest person in the bunch Mm -hmm. but yet they were able to get most of what they wanted Mm -hmm. um and for this young lady she wanted to be rich that was her entire goal yes Mm -hmm. and if you notice her character she smiled she dressed nice, she dressed apart, but she also had this aura that came about that was very cunning, that was manipulative, and the judge didn't notice it, you know, and she had everyone around her, the right people around her, I shouldn't say everyone, but the right people around her to kind of support or second her foolishness. 
So everybody was just corrupt in the like, except I feel like the judge wasn't corrupt. Corrupt. I feel bad because dang, this man was he was just making all types of bad decisions, and I want to know why he had to be black. Like I don't think that he was in it for the money. I was thinking the same exact thing. Like they (laughs) had him up there all nonchalant, all gullible. But why he have to be a black judge? That's what I was. I was thinking the same exact thing. He was so gullible. Like every time, like I would look at him. Like why aren't you asking these questions? Why aren't you investigating her? You know, doesn't something you know seem fishy about every case? Like every case is the same that she brings up to yes. the judge. You know, so it just it was it was crazy. I felt like I was watching three different movies at one time because <laughs> <Yeah>. it was <laughs> it was all over the place. <laughs> I had questions, but again, quirk. Yes. I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah, the ending, the irony of the ending to me was really funny. Like, so like I mentioned before, Roman betrayed his mother. But then it was the guy from the the woman who she took advantage of previously mm-hmm. who actually killed her. Like it to me, I felt like that was a lot of irony in the movie too. Yeah. Just wanted mm-hmm. to point that out. Well, why don't we uh get back to the cookout? for a little bit um i want to talk about famous cookout attendee justin timberlake for uh issuing an apology to britney spears and the queen janet jackson after how long has it been almost 20 years yeah anyway apology accepted uh janet jackson is seemingly aware of the statement of remorse that justin timberlake issued to her and britney spears although she seems to be keeping her feelings about it to herself for now. Um, Justin Timberlake came under fire last month for his treatment of Britney Spears after the release of her documentary. And it really just showed the aftermath of their split back in 2002. Fans also criticized Timberlake for exposing Janet Jackson during their 2004 Super Bowl halftime performance. He said, I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. He said on Instagram, I'm deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others where I've benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. He went on to mention his regrets over the actions toward Janet Jackson, and he specifically wanted to apologize to both Britney Spears and Queen Janet because he cared for and respected these women and he knew he failed them. He said he felt compelled to respond in part because everyone involved deserves better. And most importantly, because this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be a part of and grow from. So. The former boy bander vowed to quote unquote do better again, saying, I don't want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. So are we toasting to Justin Timberlake learning from his mistakes 20, 20 years <laughs> ago? Or 
or are we putting the cork in him? Because when you know better, you do better. I mean, I have to put a cork in this because to me, apologies have expiration dates. And for you to self-reflect is one thing. But for you to self-reflect and then want to come out with an apology, I'm just not, I'm not here for it. It's 2021. You know, we're still working through a pandemic that we've now been in for a year. We don't want to hear you, Justin. If you're not trying to sing, we, we're not hearing you. Yeah. Or trying to come out in a moto jacket, a leather moto jacket. We're not like... You say a leather moto jacket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we are not looking for you. So I think they have expiration dates. Hmm. What do you guys think? Is it ever too late to to receive an apology from someone? Mm. I, I'm torn because a part of me wants to, you know, forgive anyone who shows remorse for the actions that they've taken when they weren't acting, you know, or you know, being the best version of themselves, but you have benefited from the downfall of a black woman for so long. Like I re- even, I remember like the shameful things that people said about queen Janet, you know, back mm-hmm. when I was in high school, we won't talk about how long ago that was, but you know, way back then it's like, where were you still singing, still, you know, being silent, singing like bye, bye, bye to the press when it was time to take up for her. And I don't feel like an apology now can make up for all the hurt that you benefited from, not just caused, but benefited from a long time ago. And just like, um, the other girl we put a cork in earlier, Stacy, whatever. He, I, I feel like Justin has some work to do, and it's going to be more than you know making a bop or making a quick hit for the. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right back into the cookout yeah. because I don't feel like an apology is enough at this point. I'm with mm-hmm. Alexis. Well, I think the difference between. JT's apology and Stacey Dash's apology is the apology because in JT's apology he acknowledges what he did and Stacey Dash's apology she just says she gives an excuse she says I was angry which I don't really think is an excuse because as African-American we're you know we're we're all a little bit uptight about how things are going in this society you know so um, I think that it's the, the apology. And like you, Caroline, I am actually torn as well. Like at first, I was really upset with him for a very long time at the way things happened with Janet Jackson and Britney Spears. And um, but now I am torn because for one, like I said, I still remember how Janet Jackson had to take the fall and and he said absolutely nothing to defend her when he was the one who caused the wardrobe malfunction in the first place. But, you know, at the time he was very young. He had just left NSYNC and he was at the height of his career at a very young age. And his psyche may not have been as mature as it is now. So that's where I get kind of torn 
because now there's growth. But then there is the timing of his apology. Mm -hmm. It was right after the documentary. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I initially thought that this was an effort to clean up his reputation because the documentary didn't really put him in a good light. And then on the flip side of that, he could have saw his reflection through the documentary and felt the need to apologize. So, um, you know, I thinking about it and just reading the apology, how he not only apologized to Britney because it was Britney Spears that was in this documentary, but he took it way back and then apologized to Janet Jackson as well too. So, you know, I might let him just bring something to the potluck. He can come to the potluck, but you know, he might have to do something else to come to the cookout. I don't know. And then, you know, I might put a, you know, toast to him with a, a side eye. Well, let me ask this question too. And uh, Nalita and Alexis, I want to hear what y'all think. But do you feel like he apologized because he was genuinely sorry? No. Or did he issue this apology because he got caught. Because he got caught. Like, I, 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 mm. now since I heard what Shalana said, I do feel like mm. he could have seen his reflection. But this man said, I've seen the comments, tags, concerns, and I want to address them. So I would much rather he, of course, had apologized nearer to the time when these women and their images were so severely impacted. And so I can't help but feel that this was only an apology that was prompted by uh, these comments and all the backlash he was getting from his fans and the Britney Spears fans versus him showing his genuine feelings of regret. But if he is showing a module of growth, then I want to congratulate him. But he should have. I, I told y'all before, Caroline, that. Um, oh, Lita, are you still talking? No, I just said he should have had sis back. Like we invited him to the cookout. He should have stood beside her when when all of this stuff went down. Like he first had Britney Spears and all of that. So two mm-hmm. years, of course, have passed. He is still young. But geez, he couldn't mature a little bit and know that what he did was wrong watching all the backlash that she got from him ripping her shirt off. Like, yeah. And that's why I said, I, you know, I was torn because it was a long time and, you know, he's been an adult for a long time now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, that's what I was saying too, you know, that it's the timing of everything, like right after this documentary, but then you think about, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like you, you look back and you're like, okay, well, it's his apology did sound sincere. So, I mean, I don't know. Now, sincere to who? Don't apologize to me, to Janet, to Brittany. We don't want it. Leather, moto, or a song, Dustin. No. <laughs> you know what? Exactly. He wrote that whole song about Britney Spears. So please go sit down. Um, so, Caroline, to answer your question, I think it was a mixture of him being caught because in the documentary, it mentions it Um, and self-reflection. You watch the, the, and that's the thing too. Why would you be watching a documentary about your ex? 
Yeah, because he knew something was going to come out about him. Yeah, but I mean, just her revealing that she asked him, like he pressured her into having sex, premarital sex. She wanted to save herself into marriage. He knew what was coming out. And so he had to see what what type of damages would be done. Mm hmm. So if I right, and I didn't believe that part either. Sorry, Caroline. But before you close that statement out, (laughs) um, Britney Spears, I didn't believe that part when she said that. I didn't. No. No. You were holding yourself. Yeah. She was saving herself for marriage. Britney, according to who? Mm. She (laughs) need to meet the girl from that Ebony article and they can be friends. Look, but to They're me, he yoked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But to me, I think maybe you know she was telling tr- telling the truth because he apologized to her. If she was lying, then why are you apologizing? So maybe you know she was being honest about it. Shalana, really? Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Really? He said she just got to play devil's advocate to your surety. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Come on now. That's all right. I'm here for it. So it sounds like we're Justin definitely ain't coming to the cookout, but maybe, maybe he could bring some Hawaiian rolls to potluck. (laughs) Yeah, some public chicken. Some public public chicken. chicken. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. <laughs> All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, our next story. <laughs> I think this was my favorite. One <laughs> down after dark. So, <laughs> yes, it was an advice question submitted to Madame Noir. And the y'all, the title of this article, he pays me after sex. Does he think I'm a hoe? Yeah, so in a recent advice question, <laughs> in a recent <laughs> advice question to ask Ashley on Madame Noir's website, um, this young woman wasn't sure if she needed to fill out W two paperwork for her new bay <laughs> because <laughs> of W two every time they had sex. <laughs> Sound like to me, she need a W two. So. <laughs> hello maybe she was unfamiliar with the sugar baby sugar daddy relationship but either way this is what she wrote into madame noir my bedroom skills are top notch recently i went out with a guy from snapchat and we had a great time we ended up having sex on the first night no judgment the next day he gave me 250 dollars via cash app now i never asked for anything from him but every time we have sex he sends me money I got him to pay for my braces and everything. Oh, and I'm 22 and he's 52. I know nothing about him, but I'm afraid that he thinks I'm a hoe. He lets me take his car. He buys me stuff. I asked for a relationship and he said, okay, cool. And my question is, is this really a relationship? Ladies. Let me find out you a sugar baby without even applying. (laughs) <laughs> look tell me yeah. you're a sugar baby without telling me you're a sugar baby yeah. mm-hmm. this i is mean a how does this just happen mm-hmm. to people 
where these situationships just come with the cash app. I, yeah, I'm still figuring this out. Fall. How you trip and fall into getting your braces paid for? I don't. I mean, braces. I need mean, retainers. Wow. I never thought to myself, you know, that, but you know what? Tricking ain't easy. Well, I just got one question. Are there any sugar daddies out there for a wisdom tooth extraction? Because wait a minute, that's, that's listening to the eavesdrop. That's listening to the eavesdrop. Hit me up at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. Shoot. Okay, we got student loans to pay for, and Joe is taking his time with the student loan forgiveness. If any of you sugar fathers are listening, she said sugar fathers. I can't. But I mean, I I don't see any shame in having a sugar daddy. Like if that's your business, mm-hmm. I'm I'm all about minding the business that pays me. But like, are we are we toasting to granddad putting this young lady on payroll, or are we just gonna put a cork in like yeah. her not even realizing what's happening right in front of her eyes? Hold on, hold on, Caroline. Did you say granddad? <laughs> Granddaddy put her on payroll. He's, you know, sliding mm-hmm. her a little 250 every time they do the do. He, he's on payroll. Mean, but you know what? I have to ask. How does he know? How does he know the price of 250? Like, is based on, you know, your past encounters, sir? Because according to this, Maybe two fifty. I don't. Maybe Sorry. she's not wearing fishnets and shorts and doing backflips in front of him. Maybe that's why she's only getting two fifty. She need to go to the class with Alexis in the New York City. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, I'm out here and I'm saying to myself, I have to incorporate these things so that way. And that brings us to our first episode when we talked about Jasmine Sullivan and, you know, her Hotels album about tricking, you know, and that conversation came up about, you know, everybody doing stuff in order to get stuff um, from their partners. But I just feel like I don't want to judge her you know, for her choice and getting things. But it should be acknowledged that you're definitely on a whole stroll. A whole stroll. I'm not judging her about that. I'm judging her about talking about I know nothing about him. Like in this day and age of social media, we mm. all got that friend or family member who is a private investigator trained in right. social media surveillance. <laughs> Girl, make sure you at least know, uh, does he secretly hate people like you? Like, are you wanting uh, his number? He he just, I mean, he started out paying you. You might end up in his basement. Let somebody know that you're going with this 52-year-old. Like, come on, girl. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm putting a cork in her for even thinking that this relationship was going to go somewhere. You know, the, the age difference is... Out of, out of hand, you know, um, she may be the same age as his grandchildren. 
And people say, you know, age ain't nothing but a number. I'm serious. People Y'all say, are killing me with this grandchild stuff. Lord have mercy. I'm serious. A man could people, be her father. Exactly. And then some. Her father twice. You know, people say age ain't nothing but a number, but sometimes it's more than that. And Mr. Knowles that he can't have anything serious with her, but loves having her around and would do anything. you call him Mr. 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 Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're not going to just graze yes. past that. He is a Mr. Yes. But he you know he calls her baby. Around. Baby girl. No, he calls me. Yeah, but, you know, he loves having her around and would do anything to keep her. And that's why he's paying, you know, for her braces and everything and giving her money and everything to keep her around. And, you know, I honestly, like Caroline said earlier, I don't really see anything wrong with this. But the problem comes in when the agreement isn't mutual. You know, when you have one person on one end end of the spectrum, you know, thinking that we're in a relationship and that eventually we will be together. And then you have another, the other person is on the opposite end. You know, this is just a situationship and there's just a tug of war. That's when it becomes a problem. And, you know, a homegirl needs to sit down and have a talk with mister. Mm-hmm. Before you she know? get emotionally mm-hmm. exactly. invested, like yeah. she is financially because, invested. Right. Because if mm-hmm. she's looking for something real and something long-term, this ain't it. Mm-mm. Nope. It is long term because she's about to get his life insurance and his um <laughs> right? pension. Okay. okay, come through. So she's gonna be courtside. Okay, listen. Okay. I guarantee you, she's not getting life insurance money. You know why not? Children, this man probably got a, a private family. Mm-hmm. He obviously meeting with her on the DL, so. She knows nothing, but she driving his car. Like, girl. Mm-mm. Well, it sounds like they're not equally yoked. So <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna live in my head oh, rent free for a few more episodes. Right? Y'all just have to bear with me on that. <laughs> And if you're new listening to the wind down, just go back to last month's episode. Yes. Listen to that. You'll understand why we're still cackling. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're still crying about that. So we're going to put a cork in um, baby girl, it seems like. But (laughs) yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put a cork in her. It's fine. It's fine. We'll leave her on payroll. We'll still send her her W-2 so she can file her taxes with granddad, but we're just going to put a cork in her. So let's recap. We're corking Stacey Dash, obviously. Sounds like we're corking Justin Timberlake for that tired apology. Um, We're we're corking um, Sugar Daddy and and his baby girl. Uh, Did we toast anybody tonight? Girl. I don't think so. I mean, we kind of sort of with, Je- or me, kind of sort of with Justin Timberlake's Timberlake. Yeah, and and he can come to the potluck. So we, we kind of toasted him with a side eye. Okay, that's fine. One <laughs> half a toast is all right. I'm, I'm good with that. With the side eye, yeah. So it seems like we wrapped that up. So I'll go into our next segment. 
this week for the food of thought segment, we've decided that with this being the last week of Women Empowerment Month, to use this as a moment to honor the special women who have inspired us. We hope that from our tributes, you may too be inspired this week and this year. And maybe over this last week, you find at least the one woman in your life who's inspired you and pay forward to them. Happy Monday. That was beautiful, Nalita. For the purpose of giving my mother her flowers and accolades while she can still hear them, I'd like to acknowledge my mommy for being such a beacon of light in not only my life, but the community in which she was born and raised. In her current role as chief financial officer, she manages a multi-million dollar budget. But outside of that, you can find her helping anyone with very soft hands in such a selfless way. Growing up, she would always talk to those in need, whether they were homeless, heartbroken, abused, and the unseen, and offer a solution to one of their issues. She is a community responder. Her work in helping the community extends from organizing a food pantry for up to a thousand families on a monthly basis to working closely most recent of New York State, Governor Cuomo. During the pandemic, by distributing PPE to arranging COVID testing and even vaccinations, I am grateful to have such a beautiful role model in my life. Shout out to Sheila Evans Simmons. Yes, Miss Sheila. I love Miss Sheila too. I have to give a shout out to her too because she is an awesome person, very giving, very um, selfless. Like she thinks of others before herself. And um, just recently, with when the pandemic hit and everything, I remember telling your mom that I didn't have a thermometer here. And all I said was, Miss Sheila, I don't have a thermometer. She sent a whole care package here. I had the mama's Tylenol, all kind of stuff. <laughs> so yes, definitely. We got to honor Miss Sheila this month. <laughs> wow. I love hearing stories about your mom, Alexis, because I think like I've only known you for about two years, close to, but like when I hear stories like that about your mom, I can see a lot of where, you know, your selflessness mm-hmm. and, and your willingness to serve and and how you've become such an amazing person. I can clearly see that you've gotten it from your mother. So please keep sharing stories. I love to meet her one day. Um, but thank you for sharing that, that piece of your life with us. I love it. Aww, thank thank you. you, Alexis. We'll meet her when we come up there for that uh, fishnet. Fishnet event. Knee highs and fishnet. Yeah, we'll need it. Well, I'll slide on in. Um, I originally I wanted to spend like five minutes just listing all the women who have made an impact on my life because it was hard, but Shalana said pick one. So here we are. Um, I wanted to honor the queen of political clapbacks the unapologetic CNN correspondent, Angela Rye, because she is my, when I say my idol, like, (laughs) yes, sis is goals. Yes. She, Angela Rye is, is so special to me because um, when I was on the cusp of a promotion at my full-time job, you know, years ago, 
you know, some of the executives in the company wanted me to become the manager that they envisioned, like well-spoken, without a Southern drawl and tamed hair. Like, yes, someone literally told me to tame my hair for a client meeting. And they wanted me to just be so poised and just, you know, a, a certain version of a manager. And they always wanted me to be a reflection of someone that wasn't authentic for me. So back then, like six years ago, you know, not knowing any better, I thought that was what I had to do. But I started seeing Angela Rye pop up on NPR and CNN and on her podcast online and on The Breakfast Club. And I was watching her like shoot clap back after clap back. And she was bringing facts and truth to the table and like for her, she was probably just doing her job. But for me, I saw a Black woman who was authentic and professional and genuine without conforming to the whitewashed version of what people wanted her to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, over the years, Angela Rye has made politics like fun and interesting to a new generation of followers while she, you know, served as an executive director to the Congressional Black Caucus also goals. And as a correspondent to, you know, like I said, CNN and NPR. So I just, I don't want to be a fangirl or, you know, just like have a groupie moment over here. But like, if I ever meet her, I'm fainting on site. (laughs) So, (laughs) but seriously though, whenever I get ready for a presentation or if I have a, a client meeting or a speech at work, I listened to, you know, one of Angela Rye's speeches or, you know, one of her um, segments on CNN because her delivery just inspires me so much. It's like like the way athletes listen to hype music when they get ready for a big game. Mm -hmm. I listen to Angela Rye because she's just so inspiring to me Mm -hmm. so much that like even my boss will tell me like, go do your Angela Rye and like, go get them. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. even my boss knows that like Angela Rye is just goals for me. And I think that I've been able to become confident in who I am professionally. um, Partly thanks to Quinn. Angela Rye and partly thanks to her petty antics because she be throwing mm-hmm. mad shade yes, on CNN does. and I'm here for it. So mm-hmm. that that's the Black woman that I want to honor because she's just amazing in every sort of word. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to go and uh, don't shoot me down, but I'm going to have to go and see what Angela Rye is up to. I will send you clips, sis. Girl. I got you. <laughs> I got you. And you won't be disappointed, Alita. You You will not be disappointed. Mm -hmm. You'll be like, girl, get them. Because she owns the room and she stands her ground. Yeah. Simone Sanders, too. on you. Mm -hmm. Simone Sanders. Y'all send me this in the group chat. Yes, we'll do. (laughs) Got you. So for me, the woman I have chosen to pay tribute to for this year's Women History Month is none other than my mom. Her name is Annie. And what she has done for me and each one of her children is that she has imparted in each of us uh, the spirit of compassion and willingness to help others with no expectation for anything in return. 
She doesn't run around bragging about what she has. And a gift given to her could quickly be turned around and given to someone else in need. If she sees their need, she's quick to reciprocate. So for me, she's the biblical definition of love. Whenever I think of love, I see a reflection of it in her. She's patient. She's kind. She's long-suffering. She isn't naive, but she doesn't automatically assume the worst in people or that they're up to no good without a plausible cause. She helps others and she doesn't want any recognition. Like she loves to stand in the background. So she's just doing good with no other recourse, but from her heart. Um, She perseveres and overcomes all of the obstacles that I've ever seen her come up against. And she does it through hard work and faith. And one of the things that my husband always said about her is that her word is her bond. If she says something, you can trust and believe that she's coming through for you. She's going to get it done. No excuses, no uh, last minute inconveniences would have come up and caused her not to do that thing because to you, she's a priority. And I will say that my earliest memories of her was of her working in the church, cleaning up on Saturday before our (laughs) Sunday service um, because our church was so small and she wanted the money that they would be using to pay a cleaning service to go back in to help um, the people in need. So if we were doing baskets or just building up the building and paying the bills, she chose to dedicate her service to the church in that way. And that was my first glimpse into how to be responsible and how to um, be dedicated to something that you love. Um, She's always been a lady who loves children from teaching vacation Bible school to being an <laughs> uh, elementary school oh, educator for uh-huh. over 35 years. <laughs> and I think, teacher. yes, Bible school, girl. <laughs> I think that from what she's shown me and all of that love, I was inspired to become a pediatric nurse. So I've worked hard in peace for these last three years, and I know that this is what I was created to do. And it was just from her, like my mom has been a true friend from her womb to her knees. And now every day, even just being able to call her on the phone and tell her what's going on. I know who I want to be because of the beautiful blueprint of her life that I've seen, Mm -hmm. lived and grown. And one thing I want to even say is I live three hours away from my family and our, me and Roy's 10-year anniversary was yesterday. Happy anniversary. Yes, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and my black love, girl. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. 10 years. 10 years with the same pina. Come <laughs> on.
yesterday that I scheduled a couples um, massage for this coming up week. She was like, okay, well, give me a room and uh, I'm going to be up there so I can keep my grandbaby. So she's getting on the road and driving me. That was nice. Make sure that we have time to further deepen our bond. And I just know that her spirit will forever live on in me. These life lessons and hopes and dreams um, long after her from the many lives that she has impacted um, with her special gifts will forever be a part of who I am. And so today, this month, this year, and forevermore, I honor my mom, Annie. Thank you, mom. <laughs> that was beautiful, Melita. And yeah, sure. and, and Caroline and Alexis, you all gave beautiful tributes as well. So um, you all know, but I don't know if all my listeners know that I'm originally from Fort Myers, Florida, also known as Lee County. And Lee County... Um, specifically the Dunbar area, has come a very, 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 very long way when it comes to equality equality for African-Americans in the community. And there were many pioneers that had valuable contributions to that. Um, But today I want to honor one person, and that person is Miss Veronica Shoemaker. And while I really don't know her personally, but I reaped as a child, you know, and as a young person growing up in the Dunbar community, I reaped the benefits of her hard labor in the community. And I witnessed firsthand how passionate she was about helping others and making sure that everyone was treated fairly. Um, She was truly an inspiration and definitely a positive figure in in the community. So this is just a little bit about her. Veronica Shoemaker was born in 1928 in the community of Dunbar. The second oldest of 11 children, she attended Dunbar High School during the day and organized parent-teacher association meetings in the Dunbar schools at night. She wanted African-American parents to have a voice in their children's education. In 1954, when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of school desegregation, she fought to desegregate Lee County schools. She fought for fair wages, voter rights, and equal education for all, and then she started a fight that took her 16 years to win. In 1966, she ran for Fort Myers, the Fort Myers City Council, and she lost the first time, and then she ran 16 more times. And she finally won her seat in 1982. And she was the first African-American to serve on the council. She held the seat for 26 years. In addition to her seat on the council, she was an active member of the Dunbar Improvement Association, the Lee County NAACP, the Lee County Food Bank, the Lee County AIDS Task Force, the National Federation of Florist Society, and Might I add, she was an entrepreneur. She had a floral shop in Fort Myers that served the community. Um, She served as in the women in in the government and the Lee County Leadership Council. Um, Ms. Shoemaker passed away at the age of 86 in 2016, but her hard work and dedication 
to make this world a better place will will always be remembered. Wow, that was so impressive. I mean, I love the fact that we decided to have this Women's History Spotlight um, for the Food for Thought segment because it's just so awesome to see so many um, Black women doing amazing things and that has touched our lives. And I'm sure that our listeners can relate and even think of so many other Black women that have even touched them as well. Mm-hmm. So, Shalana, thank you. Yes, I thought this was very important. And like I said, you know, March is just an observance, you know, where we observe women in our community, but we should honor women every day because this country was built on the backs of women. So <laughs> we have to honor, for free. honor women. Yes, for free. <laughs> well, I don't know if, it's the drinks, y'all, because I had so many. <laughs> but this has been the best wind down yet. <laughs> I enjoyed laughing with you guys. And I think the topics were really good this time, too. <laughs> but I just want you all to know, and I want to say it publicly, that I love you, ladies. And you all are the best co-hosts ever. I look forward to the wind down every single month because it's kind of like, you know, we're having a real happy hour and we're connecting because during the pandemic and in the distance, we can't really connect in in person all the time. But we're staying in contact through the group chats and then we're staying in contact through Zoom and, and through the wind down. And I look forward to meeting up with you guys all the time. And I know our listeners do as well. Um, because we, our episodes are one of the most listened to um, yeah. in comparison to a lot of the other episodes. So it it's definitely reaching people. So I just want you all to know that you all are doing an absolutely fantastic job. <laughs> so thank you. It's, yes. it's such a blessing because <laughs> my wedding anniversary is in a couple of weeks on April 6th. And that's where, mm-hmm. you know, the four of us met each other. Like I've known you, Nalita, and you know, Shalana, I've known you forever. And I yeah. I finally met Alexis at my wedding, but that was the first time where the four of us actually came together. And just knowing that y'all are like the sisters I didn't know I needed. Like, well, Shalana, you don't count. It's like, you've been my favorite cousin forever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Nalita, like her husband and my husband are best, best friends. But like this group of like the four of us, it really feels like the group of sisters I didn't even know mm-hmm. I needed. And I love y'all so much uh, that... <laughs> yeah, y'all are just the sisters that my mama just didn't give me. And I'm just grateful for y'all so much. Aww. Listen, y'all coming in with the mushies tonight. I'm sitting here trying to send my boo thing a text message like, baby, get in the shower, get yourself ready. <laughs> y'all got me up here like, let me make sure that's all my dick. Okay. Did you say the hand? Okay, Gabrielle Douglas. <laughs> Listen, I does, but but no, I just really want to say thank you, you know, um, to Caroline for even opening up and letting me, you know, in your space. And I'm looking forward to us continuing and even traveling together because that's how this all started mm-hmm. too, that we were going to start this traveling friends group and then the pandemic mm-hmm. hit, you know? know? So yeah, I'm hoping that, yeah, but I think it, I don't, I don't want to say 
time that it's messed up everything for me because my life has truly changed mm-hmm. within the things I wasn't expecting to happen happen to me during the pandemic. So I feel like I need to write a book about these things that has happened to me because it wasn't all negative. But I'm truly mm-hmm. grateful for the relationship that we have watered and cultivated through keeping in contact with one another. Because a lot of times, you know, you meet lovely people on your travels and you're like, yeah, we should stay in touch. And you never stay in touch. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we are cultivating this wonderful relationship, I'm really happy about that. And I'm looking forward to planning a group trip soon. Yeah with mm-hmm. you guys and yeah. happy pre-anniversary Caroline yes Caroline and happy anniversary Melita thank you yes yeah. cheers to black love cheers to yes, it. yes. Um, I did have one last thing before we wrap this up y'all so please bear with me but um over the last 24 hours my husband and I both have been to uh, two different funerals, uh, one for his granny, my grandmother in love, uh-huh. Ola Mae Swanson, um, and my mm. beloved cousin, Irvin Gavin. Um, mm. They've both gone on to glory. And I just, I couldn't end this episode without using this platform to honor both of them. Um, granny yeah. Ola Mae, who just lived her life unapologetically and full of passion and wine and faith. But she lived 89 beautiful years on this earth. And I hope that I live to see the day where my family and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren can celebrate me the way that they celebrated her yesterday. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way that our family talked about Irving this mm-hmm. afternoon was just incredible. And yes, yeah. he was taken from us way too soon. But y'all should have heard Shalana singing on that uh, virtual <laughs> funeral. Y'all, she sounded angelic. <laughs> Okay, you mm. girls over here having chills. So <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't let this episode end without, you know, thanking God for just gracing us with those two beautiful souls for the short time that, that Irving was with us and, and for the life yeah. of, you know, Granny Ola May. Um, and so I just, I wanted to take a minute to just uh, recognize the two of them before we end. Yeah. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah. Before we end, too, I want to give Shalana her flowers for starting this podcast <laughs> and keeping our group in close contact okay. just so we can have this wind down and unwind okay. over these crazy <laughs> topics of the news. But just having a sisterhood bun, it's right. been a real good time just being able to come to you guys and talk about the stuff that's going on and let some of this other stress melt away so I am very grateful for you ladies. Clearly, we don't want to get off this hill. <laughs> we sure, we sure don't. Okay. okay. But in the spirit of gratefulness, <laughs> we are grateful <laughs> to our listeners. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in every month and listening to the wind down. I hope you enjoyed this segment because I sure definitely enjoyed recording it. <laughs> and that is a wrap. I sure hope you enjoyed Caroline, Alexis, and Nalita. I know I did. <laughs> I am still cracking up. If you enjoyed this episode, you are in luck because this will be a recurring segment of the eavesdrop featuring the same guests. 
Join us every last Monday of the month for the wind down after five segment of the eavesdrop. If there is something in the media that you find interesting and would like for it to be featured on the show, as always, you can hit me up on IG at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast or at Dr. Shalana Battle at gmail.com. Until the next podcast episode, be well, be whole, and be blessed. Bye.